0: Well hello again, this is Shane and this is Heartlines and this is my final episode of my Edinburgh Festival Fringe series episode 7 or episode 25 altogether, my podcast and on this episode I thought I'd bring a bit of Irish, another Irish man and he is a comedian, he is a Comic Con host and he's a very funny guy, he's also an actor, a trained actor and we'll learn more about that and his name is Des O'Gorman Hello Des, how are you doing?
1: That's so a bad shame. Good to be here for you, mate. And yeah, I suppose yeah, trained actor. Let's let's start <laughs> high and just head straight into the ground from that point onwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where did you train to be an actor? Was it in Scotland or?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, I, uh, I I came to uh, to Edinburgh, which is where I'm still at. I I came to attend Queen Margaret University in uh, in Edinburgh. Uh, wonderful. Uh, university. It's, it, if anything, it was it was a great opportunity to, to to get out of Ireland just for a little bit. I'm glad to see that Edinburgh didn't reject me like a bad organ transplant because I'm still here. So I'm I'm taking that as a as a plus sign. So yeah, it came over 2008. Ooh, wow, God, twelve years. Good jeez,
0: yeah, jeez,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy that um, when you really think about it, God, that, that time just flies by just so fast
0: oh, it does it it's does crazy oh. now where did you come over from whereabouts in Ireland are you from Des
1: uh, I'm from a wee uh, wee village called Mullaban uh, near uh, near Neary uh, Neary uh, Fork Hillway I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one Shane are you
0: a lot of people know Nuri because back, back when we went to the Euro in Ireland, people used to go over the border to go to Nuri to their shopping. Do, do you know That's that?
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used, I, at the time, I used to work at a, at a Sainsbury's uh, at the Keys. And Saturdays were always busy because two or three coach loads of women from Dublin would get a coach, come up to sainsbury's do their shopping, and then load it all onto this coach, and away off they would go. So Saturdays <laughs> were always busy back in Nurey uh, on the Saturdays because because the, they were coming calling up for the exchange rate in the euro. mate. we oh, gonna yeah. have short of that.
0: <laughs> no, let's go back to the trained actor now. So, like, you, how long do you do acting for? Study acting for?
1: Uh, I studied it for uh, for three years. I uh, like I said, two thousand and eight when I uh, when I started, and I finished uh, twenty eleven with a bachelor's degree in uh, drama and performance, a, pro- a proper thespian, if you will. It was quite. It was an intensive course, but it was a, a great course. Met friends that I, I still talk to uh, to this day. I've been to many of their weddings and. Things like that, so you 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 get to meet some like really really good people, and yeah. it's 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 just it was a good life experience more than anything else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have All you done right.
0: have you done much uh, acting? Have you done any stage stage acting or theatre? Oh or?
1: yeah yeah yeah. I've done a lot of a lot of stage work around uh, around Edinburgh. I've done like uh, touring productions and uh, wonderful local theatre as well, which is great. Edinburgh before COVID kind uh, of hit was like a really. Uh, buzz in metropolis you had like a, a lot of like little independent theaters and you got like the big theaters over here like the festival theater and uh, and the playhouse things like that so you, there was always so there was always something to go and see be it theater wise or comedy wise or live music is also great in Edinburgh as well so hopefully once all this Pox and virus thing blows over, and the city can get back to itself again. Maybe we'll get to see like the comedy and the the theater take off again because it's it's like those little things that you miss of like when you when you can't do them anymore. Like I, I loved going to the to the theater and seeing like really great productions, turn productions or local productions. I've seen a few of my friends in local productions, and just the quality of the writing and the acting and the directing that you get is always something that. I feel many people can dismiss it. I don't know if many people get this, but if you you say to somebody, um, oh, I'm I'm an actor, they usually instantly go, oh, what have you been in film-wise or television-wise? Yeah. But uh, acting's not always about that. It's not always about, you know, the big screen or the little screen. There's always local uh, theatre and many Mm -hmm. people either don't appreciate it or don't supported enough and i think that if people were to experience like really good theatrical productions i think it would get more of the support that it needs which is something that it's desperately not getting during this whole uh, virus breakout
0: yeah it, it is it is arts especially a big especially comedy as well and the arts is being um I'm just say shafted a little bit because they're not getting the love uh, they deserve because comedy is very important like it's part of our lives that's why I met you through comedy. Um I met you, yeah. I, I've worked with you many times. I've I've seen you do your thing. I also uh, performed on one of your bills. Remember when the blind poetic the blind poet?
1: Oh my god the blind poet that no no longer exists now the blind poet's gone. No. It is yeah it's com- it's been completely removed. If you come uh to edinburgh and you you would go to the pear tree what they've done is they've expanded the pear tree yeah so now instead of like the blame port and the pear tree close to ham it's now the blame port's gone and it's just been like extended into like this this hipster bar i mean i don't mean to bad but a bad mouth the pub i gotta I miss pubs but it it doesn't have that same sort of Atmosphere that the blame poet had so it's a, it's a crying shame because we had uh, many a comedy night at the blame poet, um I met many of my good friends to the blame poet mm-hmm. and I cannot speak highly enough of finding a good niche local bar that you can make your own and have like your own version of cheers you can yes. go in and you know the pint's waiting for you and all that mm-hmm. stuff it's that that is I think very important yeah to all the listeners. Yeah, find a good local. Don't go to a Witherspoon's or like a chain pub. Find an old old man pub, and just and just find a bar stool, plant your arse there, and that's that's now your seat. You yeah. need people need to do more of that.
0: I miss I miss <laughs> that, especially during COVID. Uh, that's not gonna not gonna happen because the bars, even if the bars are open, some of the bars are open for. Uh, especially in Ireland, they serve food and they have a bar open, but you can't sit at the bar because. It's too close yeah. to the bar, man. Let's talk about the Edinburgh Fringe. Now, what was your first experience uh, of the Edinburgh Fringe?
1: Uh, oh, well, okay. Yeah, this actually leads into a good story. This is something I completely mm. forgot about. Uh, so, obviously, the first time I was over in Edinburgh was uh, 2008. I was uh, here uh, in September. And, obviously, the Fringe is August time, so I just missed the 2008 Fringe. During this summer break, I went back, uh, back home, and there was, a, <laughs> oh my god, there was a talent show going around for the for BBC Northern Ireland, and it was called "Find Me the Funny," where they were trying to find new comedy stand-up to, to try and get away from you know the the hole in the wall gang and that type of political humor. They trying to want to get away from that, mm. so they did like this reality TV show. And and I applied. Many of the people, it was, it was like um, Northern Ireland's version of like Big Brother meets uh, Michael McIntyre's comedy roadshow type of a thing. And so I spent the summer in Ireland uh, doing this TV show and getting training for. It. And so my first experience of the Fringe was actually appearing in the Edinburgh Fringe on a bill for uh, Find Me the Funny. And we did two sold-out shows at the Gilded Balloon, and there was myself, uh, Aaron Truss, Mickey Bartlett, who's a big name in in comedy now, uh, Sean Hegarty, uh, uh There was like a load of us that that, that attended it, and we did it to seven hundred people. It was two three hundred and fifty seater, and we had the two shows completely filled out, and. It was both an amazing thing and a terrible thing all at the same time because I got to perform in front of like 700 people and it was a phenomenal feeling and I have not been able to get an audience of that size since then. So I kind of <laughs> peaked really high and I've been trying so hard to get those numbers back again and yeah. it just hasn't happened for me. Uh, but I mean, like to start to, first of all, like experience the Fringe for the first time is amazing, but then to perform at the uh at the fringe and and kind of get caught up in the excitement and the energy that that happens during the month of august in ed in edinburgh is just an amazing amazing experience
0: it's such a, there's so much going on there's comedy there's music theater there's, it's just, it's it's like all sorts of art forms and all the all the most craziest interesting Clever writers, comedians are all up in Edinburgh at that time of the year. Oh, yeah. And because it's yeah. not happened this year, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a shame, you know?
1: It's a crying shame, especially when you walk mm-hmm. around Edinburgh and nobody's thrusting flyers into your hand or telling you of two for one offers because it's a day ending with Y or that somebody got a four-star review at BroadwayBaby.com. Nobody has mentioned that they've gotten a four-star review this, this year to me at all. I mean, the first time in seventy years, you do kind of get that that withdrawal from not being able to like either perform or see something. It's yeah, it's it's a weird atmosphere at Edinburgh at
0: this time. Comedy, you know, you you know, and I know it, it's quite difficult to find your voice, but you found your voice, and you found your voice when your favorite passions is the Ghostbusters. Okay, what's the fascination <laughs> with Ghostbusters for you?
1: Well, that's a that's a loaded question. A- <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, like I as. Far back as I can remember, one of my earliest memories is watching the the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. That's like one of my earliest, earliest memories. I wasn't around when the original film came out because I was born in 1984. And the film was released, I think, two or three months before I was born. So I just I just missed out on it by a bee's dick. I just missed out. But then but then I got caught up, but then I got caught up on like the the animated series and then the sequel and it just kind of stuck with me and it just kind of kept on from there and it's it, it's kind of just just grown into like a become like a a huge part of my life I now uh cosplay at conventions uh I've met some truly wonderful lifetime uh uh lifelong friends. Uh, I do amazing charity work. Uh, I got a wife. So, you know, this franchise kind (laughs) of stems from... from, uh, This franchise has allowed a lot of amazing things to happen for me. So I'm very grateful to have that opportunity stem from essentially a piece of 1980s pop culture. I mean...
0: Yeah, true. But it's it's also, people will say... In any kind of field, it's it's play to your strengths, and you're playing to your strength because you are, as you say, like you are a nerd, as you say, mm-hmm. you like you like nerdy. Very proud. You're very, very, very proud, and you're very. That. And also, when you when I see in that show about the uh, Ghostbusters, you went full Ghostbuster. You had like, you bought that big, pack <laughs> and you're able to mm-hmm. to to sell the show when you're telling the show is talk about the fact that Ghostbusters, you know, you should mm-hmm. see it. and and what you're missing when you're watching the the. When, you, when you're hearing like the, the lines in the show and, and the comedy gold and all the hidden meanings, stuff like that, you know, like t- tell people, about, tell people about the show. Like what was the, the premise for your show doing that show? You still do that show or, or yeah. Oh or, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do if I, uh, if it, I had planned to do the show, um, myself and, uh, a few friends, we, we set up a, a, a ghostbuster themed convention that was going to be happening in, um, Glasgow. And mm-hmm. it was meant to be happening um, this year, and obviously COVID happened. We're hoping that we can put it on in November, but we'll see how it goes. So it was called, it's called EctroCon 2020. Cool. And it was supposed to be like a, a celebration of the franchise because this um, last year was the 35th anniversary of the film. And there was this big event on in America, and it cost about the, about the same as a small bungalow in Dundalk. Mm. so it it, to get you there would have cost an arm and a leg so we decided to pool our resources and we uh set up a one uh one day charity ghostbuster event where we had like um the artists from uh the idw ghostbusters comic series we had voice actors from the real ghostbusters going to be there we had actors from the original film that were going to be there and it's still going to happen we're just waiting for covid to kind of get out of the way so we can do this. And all the yeah. proceeds would be going to the, uh, to the Glasgow children's hospice. Yeah. We're not taking anything from this. All the proceeds go to that. So I am um, sorry. I, I went off on a tangent there. Um, uh, so I, I was, I'm going to be put, I'm going to be hosting the event and doing all the panel talks and I'm going to be doing my show at the after party, you know, for all the people that attend that the whole thing, so funny enough, the, the whole reason that the show started was, Again, for an anniversary,
0: mm.
1: in two thousand and fourteen was the thirtieth anniversary of Ghostbusters, and there was like a lot of things going on the cinemas were were uh, showing the movie again, and I wanted to do something I wanted to do something to celebrate this franchise so i I decided to write a, a one man show and it was uh, it was like me I invited a few friends it was it was like a, a one time screening of the sh- of my show. Uh, so I told all the stories and the jokes now and then we did a screening afterwards and people that saw it uh, obviously some of the jokes were a bit uh, rough around the edges it wasn't a complete show but everybody said that there was potential there so I decided to keep the show on and since then I performed um, short runs during the Fringe, I've taken it around conventions, Uh, hopefully once uh, COVID blows over, I'll be able to do this show in front of its target audience, which is fellow Ghostbuster fans. So it, it was initially just supposed to be a one-off show, and it just grew from there. Mm. So it, it's, uh, again, just another amazing thing about, about this franchise and about nerdy pop culture in general.
0: But nerd culture is, uh, is popular these days. It's popular to be a nerd, like to be like you know Comic Con or cosplay. It's it's so it's, it's like the, it's like gaming. Like gaming, like used to be, you know. Well, in the nineties, it was growing, but now you can actually make a career at to, to being a gamer if you if you're good enough. Yeah, you can make well, you can make a good living. You can make you can yeah. live on gaming. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. also you're also co-founder of the Ghostbusters of Scotland. Explain what that is and how that come about. Uh,
1: it was. Uh a fan franchise. Hmm. We we discovered that uh, Ghostbusters uh, is still has a very solid fan base, and in America, there's like uh, there's a there's a fan franchise of Ghostbusters in nearly every state. If yeah. you go to a state in America, they'd probably have a fan franchise. You've got like the obviously the New York Ghostbusters. Then you've got the Ghostbusters of New Hampshire, the Salt Lake City Ghostbusters. You've got, and then it branches all over the world. They have you have them in Wales. You have them in the UK. Germany, Australia, France, Belgium. The are, fans are very passionate and they're everywhere. And we discovered that there's none in Scotland, which was a crying shame. So through, uh, through cons, I, I, uh, I discovered a, a fellow Ghostbuster fan, uh, Kieran, Kieran McFarlane, his name is, he's a lovely, lovely man. i, I just say he's a, one of the sweetest, loveliest guys ever. And we just decided, why don't we make our own franchise? And so we did. And so we set up the Ghostbusters of Scotland. Now, I, Obviously, because me being an Irish boy living in Edinburgh, I didn't want to, to step on anybody's toes in in uh, in Ireland or in Belfast. They've got their own franchises there. I'm based in Scotland. So we decided to set up the, the Ghostbusters of Scotland. And we have had uh, members that, come that have joined our group, and then they've gone off and made their own group. So you've now got the... Obviously the Ghostbusters Scotland, you've got the Ghostbusters of Aberdeen, you've got the Ghostbusters of Glasgow, you've got the Central Ghostbusters. And we all come together for events and we show up, we have our equipment and our packs and our props and everything. And um, All we do is that we pose for photos, we put smiles on people's faces and we raise money for charities like um, Sam H, which is the Scottish Mental Health Awareness uh, uh, Chaz, which is for uh, the Children's Hospice of Scotland. Um, we we raise as much money as we can because we're not here to make a profit or anything like that. Essentially, we're here to, to, like I said, post photos, put smiles on people's faces. And if we can raise uh, a bit of money for charity and make the world a slightly better place, if, it, if all it takes is putting on a flight suit and strapping on a proton pack, then we're going to do it.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's that's yeah. very admirable. Now, does, uh, does Slimer ever appear in your piece? Slimer
1: Slimer has been known to appear from time to time. That little green ball of noxious vapors, that classify free roaming vapor. Uh, he he gets about from time to time. He has been known to attack uh, a few patrons, uh, the owners of many of the conventions we go to, a couple of guests. Uh, Usually aims for like the buffet table or if anybody, he's like a, he's like a a small green slimy ball of, he's like a seagull essentially. If you're walking by and you've got food, he's going to go after you. But thankfully we we waive our usual fees for any uh, trapping and containment. Uh, for any spectators <laughs> at any conventions
0: <laughs> so what's your number you know like it, it goes buzzes. what's your number who who you gotta call what's your number do you have a number <laughs> funny,
1: fun, yeah f- funny enough we actually don't have a phone number because um, I, I'm so glad that the film came out in 1984 because who are you gonna tweet doesn't really yeah. have the same ring to yeah. it you know who, who but you know? gonna FaceTime yeah
0: <laughs> who you gonna WhatsApp Bye. Uh, <laughs> who are
1: you got a facebook messenger it just doesn't roll off the tongue mm. so you True, know yeah um, yeah but if if you're genuine on your question all uh, we are all <laughs> on facebook and twitter and instagram you can get in touch with us uh, that way we have been known and we have done like um personalized videos for uh, kids birthdays oh that's cool you know so if, so if you've got like a uh, a small kid or like a 35 year old kid that would like a message from the ghostbusters do feel free to get in touch
0: that's great so you have it yeah i actually have a instagram and twitter and facebook for ghostbusters of scotland
1: yeah if you search for uh obviously my group's the ghostbusters of scotland but if you search yeah. uh, for ghostbusters scotland uh ghostbusters of glasgow uh ghostbusters of aberdeen you'll find us on facebook and there's links on there to like websites and Uh, instagram handles and twitter feeds and so on and so forth so we're 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 there and we're ready to believe you (laughs) i just i had to throw that one in there um
0: yeah (laughs) that's cool that's good um also i want to ghostbusters is 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 a big passion of yours i can see it on your wall you've lots of um oh yes memorabilia i was going to ask you are you are you just uh focused on ghostbusters or do you have a, a collection is your house full of kind of um Cult TV movie marabilia.
1: We are running out of wall space with the American stuff. Uh we we there's a load of stuff in the uh living room, but um I don't know if you'd be able to see this, but I'll quickly Go see on. if I can show you here. Sure. Is uh there's my thirtieth anniversary uh poster that I got framed. And then on this side uh, over there, that's my framed uh, Avengers Endgame poster. And this one I'm particularly proud of is that is a framed display uh, from Back to the Future with an autograph from Christopher Lloyd in the middle.
0: Oh, that's really good. Oh, Christopher Lloyd, Doc. Yeah. Oh, Doc yeah. Bob, brilliant. When, did did yeah. you meet him or did you? Uh... I
1: didn't. Ah. I didn't get to meet him, unfortunately. It was a con that I couldn't attend, but uh, fine enough, one of my fellow Ghostbusters got uh, that license plate signed for me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, everyone loves Doc yeah. man. Everyone. And, and Who Bart- doesn't? It's Christopher Lloyd. Come on. Look, I I think you know I was going to ask you like, what do you think of rebooting classics so like uh, like like Ghostbusters or Back to the Future? Do you think that these should be uh, uh, picked on or just left be?
1: I think left be. Yeah, and I I don't I don't mean that as like an initial knee jerk reaction of like oh these are these are part of my childhood they should never be touched. Mm. What I what I don't like about uh, reboots is that when you look at films like like you said, Ghostbusters or Back to the Future, they're not just bits of pop culture. Yeah. It's actually a time bracket of that particular period in history. That's, that's the thing I love about films, is that you can look at a film from like the, the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, and you can instantly tell that it's a film from the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s, because it's a little snapshot of like where the creative process was, where the director was at that time, where the writer was, look how young the actor is and how much passion he's putting into that. Mm-hmm. I kind of find that the the reboots and the remakes you have now, they they don't share that same passion because they, they're not creating something new. They're recreating something that they know works already. So they're not doing it from a place of passion and love and excitement. They're taking a blueprint and they're sketching over it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have that same, that same type of um, tangibleness to it. I mean, if you look at like um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you, you had the original, <clears throat> excuse me, you had the original which had like Gene Wilder, try-out performances. It's a, it's a little snapshot of that time. And then you have Tim Burton come along and try and tell exactly the same story, but modernize it. And it just doesn't work because he's already trying to tell a story that's been told. And it, it doesn't have that same, that, that same love and passion because people will inherently always try to, and they will compare it to the original. And it doesn't have the same impact because when people went and saw the original uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there was no expectation they were going off of reviews and what people have said they were going in and they were making their own opinion. Now they have something that they can compare it to and it just, it, it, it's never going to mash up. If you try and remake, um, say for example, Back to the Future, the reason that that is so timeless is because it's like a really tight story but the, one of the more iconic things out of it was the DeLorean. It's a, it's, a, it's a classic car. You can't look at a DeLorean and not think of Back to the Future which was only in there for a joke. The, the the scene where Marty breaks through the barn and the door opens up and the kid shows the the comic, that's the only reason they chose that car, was for that one gag. But yet, if they were to remake it now, they'd have to get a modernised sports car. They would never go with a DeLorean again. They've got to choose something else. And why do they have to choose something else? Because the original had a car, so this reboot has to have a car. And it just it it doesn't, in my opinion, it just doesn't work. Leave, leave everything as it is. Come up with new ideas and new stories. Tell new ideas rather than rehashing things that that you think will work again.
0: It was it was a timeless classic and it should yeah. stay there. It shouldn't be shouldn't be played around with. Because that was Michael J. Fox's one of his best movies. Of, you know, I mean he's like he was a great he was a great actor. He, I don't, I don't he's his... he's,
1: a, he's a phenomenal actor, yeah. but even he will openly admit that as long as there's breath in his body, he's always going to be Marty McFly. Mm. Nothing. I mean, nothing's going to change that. And the same with Christopher Lloyd. He has a huge, huge body of work behind him. It. It's not just Back to the Future. You've got Adam's Family. You've got Baby Geniuses. You've got uh, Dennis the Menace. You've got One Flew Over the Co- He's in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You know, but he will always be known as Doctor Emmett Luthbridge Brown. That's right. I know his middle name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just one of those things of. It's had its time. Just let it rest. Yeah. Just, just, leave, just leave it be. You don't need to do anything with it. Just leave it be. If you want to make money, re-release it into the cinema. People will flock to see the guy. I know I will. You put it back in the cinema again, again. I am going to be their front row and center.
0: Totally, I totally agree. Now, have you ever, have you ever, um, have you ever worked in the US? You know, when your comedy or, or for your comic con, have you been over to Comic Con in the US or any of those things?
1: I, I haven't as of yet. It's on my uh things to do before i kick the bucket list is i've got to get over to a convention in america i i've got to visit new york because it's new york how could i not see new york Uh, when it comes to like the cons and everything over there they have as much talent in one state that there is in the whole of the uk so i i would be a very very small fish in a huge pond i mean i'll try. I would Mm. love to get my comedy and and my shows over there. But uh, if I could even get over there and see a bit of the place, I'd be happy with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I also know, I also know Well, from knowing you, Des, Mm -hmm. is you're a big Doctor Who fan. Oh, that I am. You are very much a big Doctor Who fan, okay? I've not really ever seen Doctor Who. I've, I've seen glimpses of it. But for anyone who knows, who's, say, someone's an alien's come out of space now, maybe from Doctor Who cast, who knows? But basically <laughs> what you're talking about, a land on Earth and you have to explain. The, the, I give a brief summary of Doctor Who. Go.
1: I would say that if you wanted to see the best that humanity can be, you show them an episode of Doctor Who. Because the whole the whole premise of the doctor is, is that they are, he slash she is an alien that travels around time and space in a in a blue police box, and they essentially help where they can. The whole premise of the show is is that you know there's no no such thing as uh, an unspecial person. There's no such thing as absolute evil in the universe that can't be overcome with compassion and love. And if there was ever a show that you needed to watch in 2020, you need to feck and start watching Doctor Who because it is one of those types of shows that it really pushes and motivates you to be a better person. That's the thing that I take from from watching um, uh, episodes of of Doctor Who is is that it's a show that, that strives to show you that no matter how bleak things can be, if as long as you've got a uh, passion, commitment, love, and a tenacity to do the best you can, you can become a door about Doctor Who.
0: Cool. I must. I must check one episode out and get back to you. I'll give my, my if opinion. The, yeah, I just, if I, I can I... make a
1: recommend. If I can make a recommendation, Shane, uh, this has always been my go-to episode. Uh, series three. Uh, is uh, during the David Tennant era, there's a show called Blink. I'm sure many of the people that are listening to this that are also Doctor Who fans will probably say ye or nay. But it's uh, it's a show written by Stephen Moffat, who's a f- a, just a phenomenal writer. And it introduces uh, a new monster called the Weeping Angels. And it's a great gateway episode. So if you watch Blink, it's in series three, it's on Netflix. Okay. Uh, if you watch it and enjoy it, you're going to love Doctor Who. If you watch it and it's not your cup of tea, you don't need to watch any more Doctor Who. That's like just a forty-five minute snippet of what the show's potential could be, and it's just a great way of introducing you to the show, the premise, the writing, the talent, and it's a great way of just seeing if it's a great way for you to dip your toe in to see whether the show is for you or for or not.
0: How many seasons have there been of Doctor Who? It's been going for a while, hasn't it?
1: Are we talking uh, since it came back on or from the very, very beginning?
0: All right, let's say from the very, very beginning.
1: Very, very beginning. It started back in 1963. Probably, we're probably on to series 40, 47, I think. Christopher Eccleston, he was he was great when the show was brought back in 2005. Mm. And then, obviously, David Tennant just took it into the stratosphere. He was like incredibly popular. Matt Smith and... Peter Capaldi are possibly uh, two of my favorite doctors. They, they bring something to that part which is just phenomenal. And then obviously Jodie Whittaker's come along and I love what she's doing. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. I'm not going to open up that can of worms. Everybody's got their opinion on these things but if you just enjoy really good acting and really good stories give Doctor Who a chance.
0: Cool. I'll, I'll check it out. That sounds awesome. Um, I, I was asking I was telling my friend that I was having you on he's really he's into, into Comic Con he's been to Dublin Comic Con and he, he was asking he was asking me to ask you would you like to come to see Dublin Comic Con have you been to Dublin Comic Con yourself even?
1: Uh, I haven't I actually uh, spoke to the guys at Dublin Comic Con to see if they needed a stage host and they said nah we're grand but I've been, I've been to like so many cons in like Edinburgh and Glasgow mostly in Scotland and a little bit in the UK and I have enjoyed every single one of them because it's it's just a place where you can you can just thrive and be yourself and it's it's very warm and accepting, which is brilliant. I would love to come and see Ed, uh Dublin Comic-Con. I'd love to get over there and meet the, the the cosplayers there and and whatever guests are there, shake them by the hand and get a few autographs. So if your mate is inviting me over, um say yes. But he has to pay for my flights and accommodation. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: he'd be, he'd be listening in, so that, that's it. That's the date done. Are you a DC or Marvel guy? Because I'm sure like the in the Comic Con you get like you, comic books, so DC or Marvel. Are you DC or Marvel? Yeah. Which one do you prefer?
1: I am I don't want to be that type of guy. I like both. Okay. But if I had to choose one, my first real proper experience is I remember being in the cinema in 2008 when the first Iron Man came out and not knowing anything about the character and not knowing that it was going to spread to like 21 movies over 10 years. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. So if, if, I, if I had to choose a site that I would fall on, I would say I could give you the short answer or I could give you the long convoluted answer whatever one you want, Shane.
0: I think for the people listening they like the long convoluted go for it.
1: Alright, here we go. All right. <clears throat> right. If you want good cinematic experiences, I would say go with the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've told a big story. They've introduced a lot of characters. The DC stuff is good. It just hasn't found its footing yet, Uh, but let's get there. But... When it comes to like their animated spin offs DC is by far best. When you look at things like Harley Quinn, the Batman animated series, Justice League Unlimited with Justice League, uh, the uh, straight-to-video DC stories like The Dark Knight Returns, all the Superman stories, the, the Wonder Woman stories, the Aquaman stories, they've got a great uh, build-up there. Same way DC's got a great build-up with their um, CW shows like The Flash and Supergirl. And arrows—they've built up a whole big universe there. So it really depends on what you're after. If you want like really good big popcorn actiony movies, you you stick with Marvel. If you want like your really in-depth characters, go with DC, but follow their TV shows and their animated series. Oh God! <laughs> oh, Jesus, thank God this is full of vodka. <laughs>
0: Did you see the new the clip of the Batman? I don't, it's very dark, or well, it's not as dark oh. as C- Christopher Nolan. But I don't know what what's the idea behind this. Is is Batman like? Is he is he is it the stars I think, of the Batman? It's called the Batman. I, I think that
1: yeah, it's it's the Batman, so it's not tied into any of like the Christopher Nolan stories or mm-hmm. the the Justice League ones. That's why it's Robert Pattinson instead of Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be like a new take on the on the Batman. And from what I can see uh, from that trailer, which was a brilliant trailer, was a glorious really, it kind of felt like a little bit like Seven. Remember yeah, Seven, the, so- the the serial killer? It had mm-hmm. that kind of vibe to it, which is kind of like Batman and I think they're going to take like a new take on the Riddler where he's like a, a serial killer, which I really like that. He really grounds everything down. Like if you want your dark kind of stories, you can look at DC on that front. I think Marvel's more, you know, uh it's like it's your popcorn movie. If you want like your your space opera, you got Guys of the Galaxy, you want your uh like political thrillers, you've got uh the Captain America stories. But when it comes to like really well-told, gritty stories, you've you've got like, you know. Uh, Batman and the new take on Superman and Wonder Woman. I really like what they did with Wonder Woman as well. So it really, it's pick your poison, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I love what, they, what they're doing with the, with the new Batman. And obviously the video games as well look, look brilliant. The Batman Arkham series, I, I love the Batman Arkham series. It's, they are just some, some of the best games you could play.
0: Yeah. I actually watched that show Gotham. Have you seen Gotham?
1: I never got into Gotham. I got no, it, into it, it. Just it's
0: a bit. Rep- it's a bit repetitive. Like it gets a bit like because I do you know the penguins character. I don't forget the actor's name, but he's really good. Like he's just really. Yeah. He has a, like the, the waddle, and he's just very like cold, and he's like it's like he's a penguin. It's like he's just straight, straight out of water. He's always like ch- mm. chilly, and you know he's not. He's not like Danny. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not like the Danny DeVito character. Yeah. No. That. No. I get you. I get you.
1: you know? he's, he's always <laughs> wet.
0: Yeah, he's, he's always, always
1: wet. he's just he's dripping. he's, yeah, he's, just he's dripping all the time. <laughs> he's <laughs> dripping. Yeah, just get get him a towel, Jesus. Uh, it's it's those type of things of like um. I I never got into like um, Gotham because if I'm being honest with you, I'm bombarded with so many TV shows that if I was to watch everything that everybody recommended to me, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I'd be sitting in the in the bloody living room trying to catch up with everything. So I've got to. I got to pick and choose what I watch and just Gotham kind of fell by the wayside. However, yeah. I did see the animated version. They did like a new version of Harley Quinn uh, with um, uh, the girl from the Big Bang Theory does the voice of Harley Quinn. And it's kind of like a, a spoof piss take. It's like Deadpool, but with Harley Quinn. And it's got the great comedy all the way through it. And it's it's you, it's only... Two seasons have been out, and it's a great, quick, like, uh, weekend binge watch if you've got a chance. I'd re- I thoroughly recommend that.
0: Okay, so one more question from your perhaps future date for a uh, Dublin Comic Con. He asks you: man. Are you looking forward to Snyder Cut?
1: I wasn't until I saw that trailer, and I am not the biggest Zack Snyder fan, but just looking. At that, the two things that sold me was the trailer footage looks incredible. You can say what you want about Zack Snyder, but he is a brilliant cinematographer. He sets up glorious, beautiful shots. And the second thing was four hours. This isn't like a, a, just a re edited version, this is a four hour cut of Justice League, where it's going to be, it, because it's on HBO Max, it's going to be four. One hour episodes, which I think is a brilliant way of doing it because you really get time to flesh the characters out rather than trying to jam everything into like a two hour film, gives you time to bring out the Flash and Cyborg and tell their stories. And then you've got Wonder Woman thrown in there. And I don't care what anybody says, Ben Affleck was a friggin' brilliant Batman. And you've got Henry Cavill, he's back in the black suit that looks amazing. I, I'm i really, really looking forward to seeing what what difference Zack Snyder brings. Because as much as I love Joss, uh, Joss Whedon, his take just didn't work for that version of the Justice League with everything that had happened with Man of Steel. Um, Batman v Superman. It just it tonally and uh, colorfully as well. It's too colorful and bright and cartoony, and it just doesn't gel properly. So to get Zack Snyder back and to finish off essentially his story, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a just a hugely positive thing. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing
0: that. So there you are. There's your answer. Okay, and I want I've got yeah. I've got a question as well because we're still in that kind of like. Uh, area. Mm-hmm. What's the think of the Joker? Did you enjoy the Joker? Didn't like it. I actually I, I, I wanted to like it. I really, really did. But something,
1: I think we saw it just before like COVID happened. So the cinemas were open. And I came out of the cinema and I, I don't think I've told anybody else, this bar my wife, I was petrified. I was really, really terrified. Because the whole premise of the film is that Every like everybody's got the potential of having that one bad day that breaks them. And all you need is a symbol to get behind. Much the same with Batman. He's the Joker is the the, the coin the opposite side of that coin of Batman. Batman mm-hmm. is a symbol of good, Joker is a symbol of anarchy. Yeah. And I walked out of that film and my initial thought was, with everything that's happening now, that's going to be that film that people call back to as that was the 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 match that lit the fuse. Do you know what I mean? hmm Because with everything that was everything that was happening in the world with the the riots and the the anger and the hatred that was around. And the same type of thing happened with Joker, but he was like the the, the linchpin. He was the 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 symbol of like, well if it happened to him, well I can get behind him and then everything can come crashing down. Mm-hmm. And I was petrified walking out of that film after yeah. seeing it. I really, really was. I, I, Again, this is just me. Many people enjoyed the film and and kudos to them. But for me, I just could not get past that. And it just scared the living hell out of
0: me. What surprised me is, is the guy who directed the Hangover series, Todd Phillips, was the director of this movie. Okay. That's immense. That's like what? That's like, that's like what? A comedy, like, a, like a, a serial comedy or whatever, like a, a crazy, it doesn't wacky make comedy. sense, does yeah. it? Yeah. It
1: just, it, how can the guy that had that that had Zach Galifianakis acting like that, and then you got Joaquin Phoenix, the gold all method actor, on that? How could you get two drastically different performances from the same director? That to me, that just that kind of does blow your mind. It yeah. does, yeah. <laughs>
0: I agree. I, I I I thought the movie wasn't great. The movie wasn't great. It was a very simple yeah. plot, and it was quite confusing at times. But what I loved about mm-hmm. it was Wacky and Phoenix. He was just mesmerizing. He went. Oh yeah, he is. Oh yeah, he, he's, lost, he lost he, a lot of weight. He lost. He really went yeah. for it, you know.
1: Yeah, he's he is one of those type of actors that if you hire him, you're not going to get a half arsed performance. No. You know, he's he's got to put everything into whatever he chooses to do, and he threw it into that particular part it's it's just that with with everything i think it was for me the wrong time if i was to like watch it like before all this happened i probably would have enjoyed it more but i couldn't help but compare to what everything that was going on and i just couldn't see past that and it just it i yeah
0: that's we'll leave it at that now i'll just finish finish up a little bit now Uh, what is what is there as for these days uh, any virtual plans to perform have you been performing any virtual gigs over the uh, lockdown
1: um i've been hosting a lot of like uh zoom pub quizzes i don't know if that counts <laughs> uh i don't i don't I, I don't have anything planned at the minute cuz most things are like planned months in advance now so they have everything all set up ready to go I'm mostly uh, focusing on uh, on my work because I'm I'm a key worker as well, so I'm I'm focusing on my job. Sure. Um, I've got my creative outlets. I'm I'm writing at the minute, which is uh, so I've never really tried uh, writing before. So I've got like a few script ideas in my head and uh, actors that I know over here that I think will be really good in parts. So I'm I'm branching out on on that front but mostly it's it's like anybody else i'm just trying to get by and keep the mental uh, mental health in check yeah because with everything that's going on you can kind of see with mental health is kind of yeah it kind of dips a little bit so you know if if i can find a, a means of of getting things off my chest and have a creative outlet at the same time i'm going to be focusing on that and once the cons and everything starts up again and the clubs and the theatres open, then I'll be spoiled for choice for creative outlets. But, but for now, mostly just looking after the old head. That's, yeah, that's, my, that's my end goal.
0: That's good. Again, Des, you, you are a perfect man, I think, to wrap up this, this uh, Edinburgh Fringe series. you talked, I wanted to go more deeper than just the Fringe because with you, you have more uh, facets because you've got acting, you've got comedy and you got the Comic-Con as well.
1: Uh, just one other thing. Uh, yeah. If people are going to search my name on YouTube, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go, Shane. I'm I'm just stressing that now. Okay. W- one of the the things that I'm proud of is that uh, I've done like a Ghostbusters orientation video, uh, and people can can see that it's one of the best things I've ever done. Um essentially, the the whole thing was that I had a, a friend in Australia who was doing like his own Ghostbusters tribute show and he wanted me to be a part of it so he asked me to send him a video and i said i didn't i don't want to just do like a talk of the head video so i did i came up the idea of i don't know if you experienced this shit you remember when you used to go into like an old job and for orientation they'd sit you in a room and they'd put in a vhs tape of like the secure of like the safety procedure yeah and make you watch that for like 20 minutes
0: I do, yeah, yeah. Do
1: you remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So So essentially the video on YouTube is, what if the Ghostbusters did exactly the same thing? So it's essentially me breaking down all the equipment and the hazards and everything that could happen whilst you're a professional ghostbuster and it is by far one of the proudest things that i have ever done
0: <laughs> okay send me that link and i'll post it as well that's, that's quite that's funny uh, yeah. I, because i love those retro 80s and 90s videos like here's how you bend with the knees and you push the trolley yeah. and, oh man <laughs> they just they're so outdated but they're just so funny they like because it's it's a boring exercise it's important of course for the job but it's a boring exercise to sit there and, watch retro movies but everyone laughs their heads off at the, the fact that it's not updated to now like 2000 yeah <laughs> make sure you turn your
1: beeper off and put down your put down your Sony Walkman and listen up kids because we're talking fire safety <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Des. Yeah, as I said, you, you've been a you've been a great um, closer. You did close. You, you, you said, "Oh, don't, I'm not a closer." You're definitely a closer. You're really oh, good. Appreciate, man. I appreciate that, man But uh, best of luck. And if I'm ever over in Edinburgh, I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll give you a I'll give you a share with Oh, me. definitely, man. We'll catch and you remember, for a beer first or whatnot.
1: Yeah, and remember, first rounds on you. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll, I'll take it but, easy. Right? I'll talk to you soon. Right. Des Gorman, right there, and he is a comedian. Actor, he's also a Comic Con host. Now, that was my final episode in my Edinburgh Festival Fringe series. So I just want to give you kind of a broad, kind of rounded look on what Edinburgh can give each year because it's not happening. And this is for me, it was a passion project to bring this series for this podcast now, but also just to give you a sense of who these guys are and some of these guys I've met over the years and some of the guys I just thought I'd ask. And once again, guys, my name is Shane. This podcast is called Heartlines. And if you like what you hear, guys, please like, comment, share. And remember, you're always welcome here in Heartlines. Take it easy. Bye bye.